0: Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Recently, I was feeling overwhelmed with all of the responsibilities I was juggling in my work and personal life. I signed up for BetterHelp and scheduled my first online therapy session. To be honest, I was a little nervous about meeting with a therapist online, but I was matched with a great therapist who offered me a fantastic experience. She helped me tremendously in our first session, and I noticed an instant difference in my mental health. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can also message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions whenever it's convenient for you. If you're matched with a therapist who isn't the right fit for any reason, Season, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, you also get more scheduling flexibility and a more affordable price, especially when you get 10% off your first month by signing up at betterhelp.com MFRP. That's betterhelp.com slash MFRP. Check it out and sign up today. Hello and welcome to the Motivation for Regular People podcast where you'll find all the inspiration you need to start, continue, and finish the goals that matter most to you. Got a bonus episode for you today. I had a conversation that I couldn't wait to share with you. Before I tell you who I'm speaking with today, let me remind you to subscribe to the show if you haven't already done so. Typically we release a new episode on Thursdays, but We also like to over-deliver, and so we've got a Tuesday episode for you as well this week. Today's conversation is with Susan Gold. Susan is the author of Toxic Family, Transforming Childhood Trauma into Adult Freedom. Through her work, Susan shares her journey of abuse, addiction, and trauma in a way that encourages and empowers others. You can learn more about Susan and her book on her website at susangold.us. We'll make sure to link that in the show notes as well. I appreciated Susan's transparency in the episode. It was so great to hear her story, hear about what she has gone through, but also how she's been able to leverage those challenges and those trials in a way that's opened up some really cool opportunities for her. And I can't wait for you to hear the conversation as well. So let's dive in. Here's Susan Gold. Hey, Susan. Thanks for coming on the show. I'm looking forward to this conversation.
1: Uh, Not as much as I am.
0: (laughs) Got that beautiful Montana uh, mountain in the background. I know that's just a picture and I know our listeners can't see that, but I'm sure that's a pretty cool place that you get to live.
1: I am in rural bliss after living in urban happiness for decades. Yeah, it's pretty amazing out here.
0: I can imagine that is quite the change. Well, hey, a big part of your story that I've learned just as we've spent a few minutes here talking and getting to know each other has to do with redefining past trauma and challenges. So I'd love for you to kind of share what you've experienced within that realm.
1: Yeah, I I think I can't like somehow got lost in my vocabulary. Um, mm. <laughs> I just always had this ebullient belief that you know, I could make things happen. And I was willing to ask a lot of questions and be humble. And, not be afraid to take risks and chances. And that's one of the benefits of coming out of the family home uh, that I did. I was raised by a genius astrophysicist and an equally as genius, buoyant homemaker, but they were also plagued um, and riddled with addictions and mental illness, raising five kids. Yeah, that's that's a tough platform just just from the get. And it was a teeny tiny town in central Pennsylvania. And I used to watch Barbara Walters on my beanbag on my belly in my basement, praying and hoping and visualizing that I'd get to New York City and go to New York City. I did. I left that home at 17. It was the morning after I graduated from high school and I was very focused on leaving that teeny tiny town. But when it came time, Brady, I was terrified. I was really scared to leave what was familiar to me. But by 19, I was living in Greenwich Village alone on an internship from college. And then I returned there after college. And was working in a glitzy high rise in the entertainment industry for ICM, which is a large global talent agency. So it was like the vision that I had as a child. You know, I wanted to work on the business side of entertainment and I wasn't earning enough money to make ends meet. So I started personal training on the side and Barbara Walters actually became my exercise client.
0: Oh, wow. Wow. But bet you never How's imagined that? that when you were laying on your beanbag chair watching Barbara Walters.
1: No, well, it was kind of surreal to ring her, ring her doorbell. Um, and I did one morning at 7 a.m. Um, and she took one look at me and she's like, Susan, get in here. What is going on? And she was a good interviewer for a reason. She was highly intuitive. And uh, she got it out of me very quickly. I had been sexually harassed in the workplace the day before. And I was super traumatized. And she said, I'm coming to work with you this morning. And we're going to confront this gentleman together. Wow. And I said, you know, thanks so much. But I think I got it handled. <laughs> and so I confronted my boss that day. He promptly fired me, Brady. And I had wow. two and a half months of cash in the bank. I was living alone in New York City. And I had just gotten out of an abusive toxic relationship where the man held the purse strings. I'm embarrassed to say, but that was true. And I also was in recovery for addiction. I was not even 90 days clean when I decided to launch my own talent brokerage firm matching celebrities to brands. And I was highly motivated to have that operation work because I didn't want to fall back into that relationship that I had just extricated myself from. And Used to make 50 cold calls a day, whether I liked it or not. I'd write it down like on a little piece of paper, you know, on shits, like, you know, a strike for each call. And um, it was like some magical number. I don't know, I was gonna get a gift from Santa or
0: <laughs> wow.
1: Jesus or yes, yeah, something. But within 18 months, um, I had made six figures. And one of my first deals I made was with Andy Warhol for Pontiac doing a TV commercial for Pontiac. And I couldn't get anybody at the factory to pick up the phone. So I took the subway from the Upper West Side where I lived down to his Brownstone in Murray Hill and knocked on the door. <laughs>
0: oh my goodness. This yeah. is crazy to me. So you go from, first of all, I'm sorry that all of that happened to you in your past, but you go from someone who is fired wrongfully after confronting your boss for sexual abuse just recently out of an abusive relationship, dealing with addiction, and then seemingly overnight, you are launching this successful talent brokerage. What happened either in your head or in your life to help you make that shift so quickly?
1: had tenacity, I had a genuine knowing. I'm what some have called a super empath, so I can intuit the emotions and feelings of others very clearly. And I, I didn't understand this until, I don't know, you know, maybe even eight years ago, I didn't understand. I had this ability, but it's what helped me get through my childhood successfully. And also it it's been a tremendous help in business to really sense the emotions and the feelings and see through where others might not. So I had to see my predicaments as blessings and privileges and opportunities rather than stay in victim mode. It didn't mean that, Brady, I didn't lament or didn't mourn or have grief and sadness, or, you know, I didn't feel put upon or even enslaved and a victim or martyr. I could indulge, but not for long. You know, it was very clear in that household that I grew up in, the messaging was, no one is going to be your your fallback. You're going to have to take care of yourself. So step up. (laughs) And, you know, I saw it as a plus, like figure it out, make it happen, knock on the door when you don't get an answer and just ask the questions, put one foot in front of the other. It's not the easier, softer way, but I am really proud that I had the strength, the inner strength to step up and take those chances.
0: Wow, this is so interesting. So several things that I want to unpack here. So first of all, you talk about seeing those predicaments as blessings and privileges. I think that's so important. I was having a conversation earlier today with somebody in a coaching session, and we were talking about the value of failures. And without saying too much to break confidentiality, we got to this point where he realized that he hadn't failed that often in his life. And in some ways, that's a blessing and a curse. And I said, there's kind of maybe one or two things happening here. One possibility could be that you are working so often in your area of strength that you don't have the opportunity to fail. But the other possibility could be that you're not risking enough that failure becomes more possible, if that makes sense. And so there's this sort of, I guess, tension between wanting to avoid failure because failure is uncomfortable, but then also to some degree maybe not pursuing failure because that seems kind of foolish as well, but at least accepting and valuing failure for what it is and for the opportunities that it provides. The other thing that stands out to me as you reflect on your story is this idea that you didn't totally eliminate your feelings from your past. Like you didn't totally shut them down, but you also didn't allow yourself to camp out there for too long. And I think that's a good reminder for anyone who's dealing with trauma And it's hard to like equalize all trauma because while I think many of us experience it, there's obviously different levels. And I don't want to say that my trauma is similar to your trauma or anyone else's trauma. But I think that it's important to recognize that if you've dealt with any sort of trauma in the past and you still feel it at times, it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. It's something that's going to creep back up from time to time. But it seems as though what made the difference in your story is, one, not allowing yourself to spend too much time there. But then, two, recognizing that you still had this agency to chart your future and take the steps forward that you wanted to take.
1: Yeah, and I think I also dove into it and explored it. You know, I didn't, I didn't just shove it into a pretty compartment and leave it there mm-hmm. to go musty. I really dove in and exposed it to light. But my my journey has sort of led me in layers. So it's, my traumas come off in layers. It seems like each decade, there's been a new layer. Like the first decade of adulthood, it was addiction, really addressing that head on. And, you know, that was absolutely the mandate to, to get a firm platform for a playing field to launch from. And then it was dealing with clinical depression and learning what that was and how to work with it. And then ultimately it was narcissistic abuse. And I think that just being a human being here and taking this walk is an opportunity to grow. And it's an opportunity for soul evolution. If we are brave enough to see it that way. Cause I think most people <laughs> would have sat down <laughs> by the third layer. That I've walked through um mm-hmm. it's not for the faint of heart but I I do see this as an incredible opportunity if we're allowed to perceive it that way and my challenges and my challengers I feel have been perfectly positioned in this movie that I'm creating to move mm-hmm. me to new heights
0: hmm. That's interesting. And see, even that to me reflects a change in perspective from I could see someone looking at their challengers or their challenges and saying, well, the world is out to get me like everything is against me. But it sounds like you're looking at that as obviously this is not my preferred option, maybe, but there's so much value. There's so much goodness that can come from it. So when you first started to have that mindset of unpacking these things or dealing with them was that intentional or were you resistant to that at first
1: well it felt like my back was up against the wall because i used alcohol as a crutch to numb all that stuff and when when i decided to put that away and shelve it i had to address the stuff that came up as it came up because i i didn't have my coping mechanism any longer. So it became important for me to meditate. And I had a very structured meditation practice for a long, long time. It was important me for me to exercise. And I started endurance sport like you. I started marathoning and I started doing triathlons. And then that led to master swimming rankings. And I really put focus there and tenacity there. And then also I just stepped into Working on my own, I realized pretty quickly, Brady, I didn't fit the corporate structure. I was like, you know, around round peg in a square hole. I just asked way too many questions and nothing made sense to me. Why was I going to HR when the guy was two offices away that I could just talk to directly? And I didn't understand why people were sitting at their desk till 630 when they were done at 410. So <laughs> just I have a different way of maneuvering here. And so I really had to take that in and accept it and understand that's how I worked or I Mm -hmm. operated. And then that too became a benefit.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. It seems as though you move forward with your life, you unpacked and addressed some of this past trauma. And as you're going through this process, more and more awareness is beginning to build.
1: Yeah, it doesn't mean that, you know, oh, wow, you'd be skippy. I got clean. I know how to deal with clinical depression and I can draw boundaries around narcissistic abuse now and my life is perfect. Ha! Ah, I think like we're here for the long ride, you know, otherwise I would have taken the 610 off the planet. You know, I'm certainly not done. <laughs> hmm.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, that's so interesting. So, thinking back to your story now, so you dealt with some of these issues from your past. You started the talent agency, started working with pretty big name celebrities, it sounds like. What happened after that?
1: Well, that skill set led me into television and producing for television. Roger Ailes, who was really well known in the media. Division was running CNBC and had his own network at the time and wanted celebrities to brand the network, to weight the brand. And so somehow he found me and celebrities weren't flocking. So I grabbed a cameraman one night, went to a red carpet event, started interviewing all the talent on the carpet and then had them look direct to camera, say their name and say they were watching Rogers Network. And this was before those promos were even You know, nobody was doing that stuff back then. And it caught Roger's attention. So he called me up to his office and he gave me an odd interview. Um, But at the end of it, he said, name the show you want to produce because you're a producer. And that's how I became a producer for television by my skill set in bringing celebrities to brands. Um, and then that led me out to L.A. where I did the same thing. I attached Owen Wilson to a cookbook mm-hmm. and set it up as at Universal as a feature. Um, and I don't know where that train of thought was going, Brady, but I'm in L.A. now producing for, <laughs> for TV and film. Yeah. And I had no idea what a producer was.
0: hmm. No, that's so cool. I think about what you said earlier, I think to start the conversation, this idea of the phrase, I can't not being in your vocabulary. And then I look back at your story, what you just said, and then what you said earlier, and it just seems like you're a creator, like you're creating these opportunities for yourself that didn't exist before.
1: Yeah, because, because again, I don't fit in that structure. I mean, people used to just look at me so oddly, because I just you know, speak out in meetings and everybody's, you know, sort of hushed and looking at the corner of the ceiling. And I'm like, what about this idea? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just, I don't know any better, I guess. But um, yeah, I've always had vision and tenacity and I haven't been afraid to to be singled out or embarrassed and, and ridiculed. I have that kind of humility about me, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the other things that you've done, we talked about this a little before we started recording, you've got the book, it's called Toxic Family, Transforming Childhood Trauma into Adult Freedom. And I won't ask you to share all of your tips and tricks from the book, because people should go read it, people should go buy it. But just kind of speaking generally about what went into the book, can you share a little with us about how you take the trauma and turn it into freedom?
1: Yeah. But first, I just want to compliment you for writing a book. You're so young and have a book out already. I'm just like in awe. So yay. Hooray. Um, this I appreciate book, it. Yeah, Thank you. Absolutely. Um, I was told by an Irish seer in 2007, I had a book to write and was going to help a lot of people. And I just shoved that under the closest carpet. I didn't <laughs> want anything to do with writing a book. And then in 2019 and 20, I had back to back intuitives tell me was have me a book to write. And the third one said, you have three books to write. So I thought, okay, I'm going to get going. And I didn't think i really had a story to tell but um i was encouraged to talk about my life story because it's been a pretty interesting trajectory and i wanted to create conversation around a taboo topic you know a lot of the the guilt and shame and blame we're carrying around does not even belong to us like it's ancestral it goes way back into the lineage and we're carrying shame of our ancestors that it's not really current. Um, so I put my story down and then I put the exercises in the appendix that have really helped me get through some of the stuff that I've faced and it's helping others. So I'm really grateful for that.
0: That's awesome. I love that there's, you know, your story in the book, but then also the highly practical aspect of the workbook at the end. It sounds like something that someone could take. And if they haven't, started addressing their past trauma, like we talked about before, unpacking some of that, this could be a great place for them to start.
1: Yeah, I hear it's pretty inspirational, Brady.
0: (laughs) We'll plug it one more time. I love it. Susan, this is called. Oh, Oh, I'm sorry.
1: I thought you literally wanted me to plug the book again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, we'll do that in the show notes as well. We'll make sure that link is there in case anybody wants to go and learn more about it or learn more about you. Susan, thanks so much for coming on. Any last words before we finish up?
1: Thank you, Brady, for taking the time to produce this podcast and create the content that you're doing. It takes bravery, takes a lot of time, takes finance, takes tenacity and takes belief and you're worthy and you have purpose and you're clearly demonstrating it.
0: Before we wrap up, let me tell you about one more opportunity that will help you unlock your motivation and pursue your most important goals. If you're anything like me, you start the new week with a lot of excitement. You have big plans, and you can't wait to see what happens. Once the week gets going, though, you may have something unexpected come on your plate, or you may simply start to feel overwhelmed by all of the tasks that you have to juggle, and it can be difficult to finish the week with the same amount of motivation that you had when you started. If this is a feeling you can relate to, go to my website at BradyRoss.com and sign up for my Midweek Momentum newsletter. Each Tuesday, I'll send you a short email with a thought, quote, a reflection, often based on the podcast from the week before. This boost of momentum will help you finish your week with the same amount of drive and determination that you had when you started. After you sign up, you'll receive a free instant download of the introduction and chapter one of my book, Seven Steps to Dominate Your Day and Crush Your Goals. You'll learn how to maximize the power and potential of each day by planning in advance what you want to accomplish. This newsletter is completely free. I won't spam you. I won't sell your information. And you can unsubscribe at any time if for whatever reason you don't find the content helpful. I simply want to help you carry your motivation through the end of the week and give you the boost you need to start doing more of the work that matters. And I think that you'll ultimately find both the information in the email and the timing of it very helpful. So if you're interested, you can sign up today at BradyRoss.com. That's b-r-a-d-y-r-o-s-s.com, And we'll include that link in the show notes as well. Once again, thanks for listening to today's show. Please subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already done so. And if you're willing to leave us a rating, that would be awesome as well. Any positive feedback helps us grow this community and spread the word to others who may find the content helpful. As we wrap up, remember, you already have all of the motivation that you need, and it's up to you to decide what you'll do with it.